Another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. It is episode 109. It's a snow day episode. Currently, as we are recording this in December of 2022, is it about it is about negative six degrees wind chill outside. They have shut down certain highways, airports, airports. The world is. Kelly is currently stranded in Chicago. It's a mess. Out there. The wind chill is negative 11, Dan. Oh. Negative 11. So breaking news. Breaking news. I have one of those. This just in. Jess will keep you updated on the state of the weather situation as we record this. Uh, But it won't matter anymore. Because even the people who are going to listen to it, like as soon as you put it up, it'll be over. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know how well. You don't know how weather works. Oh, okay. You're not a meteor surgeon. No, I am definitely not. So we are talking about uh, chapter 16 today of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, Before we do that, as we uh, start recording here, it's almost Christmas time. Yeah, just a couple days till Christmas. You've got your Harry Potter little mini tree up Mm -hmm. here. It is, um, this is the first year I've tried to do a Mary, oh my god, a Harry Potter tree. (laughs) A Mary Potter tree. A Mary Potter. A Mary Potter tree. Um, Hedwig is at the top. Sorry, Nightwing is very distraught that he can't go outside and play because it's, again, negative 11. And he doesn't know what to do with it. And our African dog (laughs) (laughs) wants to, it really wants badly to go outside, which makes no sense. No sense. Um, but yeah, first attempt at, attempt at the Mary Harry Potter tree, mm-hmm. and it's pretty cute. And, I've, I've got more ideas for next year. And the ornaments are consisting of... Uh, the little mini Funko Pops? Yeah, the mini Funko the Pop Advent, Advent calendar. calendar. I've gotten you those a couple years in a row, and you turn them into ornaments. with a little crafty, crafty, hot, gluey, gluey. Yes. I just and, got bit. And Nightwing <laughs> just bit you. <laughs> he wants my attention. He does. Very badly. I thought maybe I could just pet him and he would be happy, but no. no. He's, he's, getting, he's, getting a little, he's biting he's, my uh, arm. He's getting a little aggressive there. <laughs> and sorry, uh, right Bobby. before we started recording, you moved your seat because you said... We were sitting like next to each other, <laughs> uh-huh. shoulder to shoulder. Uh-huh. And I said, I got to swing around on you the said, end of the table. You said, I like to see uh, you. So I can see you. I like. You said, I like to see you. I go, oh, God, that's so embarrassing <laughs> for you. It were you're so we're like, having a conversation. You're so smitten with me so that you would just say that out loud. It's embarrassing for you. I just made you lunch too. You did. Like, just, like your favorite. You're a mess. You just can't can't control your emotions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I I like to I like to see you. I like to see you <laughs> when we're having a conversation. It's so embarrassing for you. I'm embarrassed oh. for you. Uh, let's talk about what happened last time, Chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Before we get into Chapter 16 today, Dolores Umbridge, who was already the Ministry-appointed Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, will now be taking on the role of Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Umbridge does a lot of observations of the other teachers in this chapter. Trelawney is, of course, a hot mess during her observation. McGonagall doesn't take any of Umbridge's mess, though. Harry gets more detention, of course, while in Defense Against the Dark Arts class. So more torture for Harry's hand, and at the end of the chapter, Hermione has a proposal for Harry involving Harry secretly teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts to some of the students. Harry is not receptive to this idea, feels that he's not qualified, and is kind of upset with Hermione for even asking. 
Yeah, he kind of flips out. And then I was reading this chapter, and there's like a point where she's like, okay, don't get mad again. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, getting, he did get really he's been mad. He's mad about everything. And Ron, even in this chapter, was kind of expecting Harry to. Yeah, they're really. Like, like their trauma, their his their friendship with him is tra- traumatizing them. It's like when I go to pet Nightwing, and he he winces. ducks away. It's like, oh, please don't hit me. I was like, have I ever hit you? <laughs> no, has anyone ever hit you? No, but he, oh, please. he cringes away like he has been like Cringer from the He-Man cartoons. Yeah, be sure to mark He-Man on your bingo sheet. So, chapter sixteen in the Hog's Head. We are going to go inside a hog's head today. Yeah, it's kind of gruesome, actually. I think the inside of an actual hog's head might be a little cleaner than the the pub that we're going to be in. Definitely. But we are two weeks later here, and there's actually a few positive things happening in this chapter. So it's not all bad. Uh, Harry's done with his latest round of detention. Harry, Ron, and Hermione all seem to be having... Varying six levels of success with vanishing things in transfiguration class. Yeah, go ahead. I'll get there. <laughs> uh, I want to say something, but not yet. Ron and Harry are actually getting caught up on their homework, and Ron is making it through Quidditch practices without getting yelled at too much. That's great. I just have to say, Jennifer's texting me a whole bunch right now, mm. so that when she listens to this, she'll know that that's when she was texting me a whole bunch. Sup, Jennifer? Hey. Um. So. I thought it was neat. You know, they were talking about all of the things that they're doing, getting caught up in their schoolwork and doing all of these things. And it was just like another reason why Harry couldn't have been a prefect. Like, he wouldn't, well, I don't know if he would have, he would have kept it since he's been in detention so much. But like, it just doesn't fit into the schedule. I know Dumbledore can't like see the exact future, but it wouldn't have fit. Trelawney saw it. She said, nah, nah it's not don't work. do it. Dumbledore, he can't handle it. Uh, he won't have time to uh, be a prefect. Into he the, will be the coffee in grinds all the time. He's going to die of the grim. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, it just the way it lined up. I'm like, see, Harry, there's just no way you could have fit in. I mean, Hermione obviously can handle it all. She's taking extra classes. She's doing her prefect duties. She's doing everything, but. Ron's trying to juggle it all, and Harry just couldn't have taken on one more thing. So when things are starting to look up a little bit, Hermione feels comfortable enough to try to broach the subject of Harry possibly teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts skills to some of the students, and Harry seems a lot more calm and response, uh, receptive to the idea yeah, this she, time. She asks him, have you thought about it? And he's like, what? Uh, and he, in in his head, we find out that, yes, he actually has thought about it a lot. He's actually thought about what spells he would start with, what he would teach the kids, like planned little mini lessons in his head. He's getting his curriculum together. Yeah, he's, he's really on board. He just hasn't told anybody yet. So why is he, why the change in tone from him? Is it because he's not currently being tortured at the moment by <laughs> Umbridge? <laughs> Maybe, I mean, but sometimes it just, it was something that he hadn't even he was just an, thought of at day. all. It was just not in the realm of possibility for him when she when she brought it up. And now that he's thought about it, it's kind of like, oh, well, I could kind of do that. And I could show somebody this. And he has had a lot of extra education. He did a lot of extra time when Lupin was there. And, you know, he's learned extra things. Not just his adventures, Mm -hmm. or misadventures, or whatever you want to call them, but he has had extra training. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think it just kind of grew on him. Hermione also makes some points that seem to make sense to Harry. You know, despite the fact that Harry thinks that his only successes have been because of help that he got or because of dumb luck. You know, Harry was the only person last year that could hold off the Imperious Curse completely mm-hmm. uh, when they were pra- when it was being practiced in uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Harry can already conjure a powerful Pat- Patronus, which apparently some 
adult wizards can't, can't even do. do. And even uh, Vicky had some nice things to say about Harry. Vicky. Vicky? Vicky. Who's Vicky? That'd be Victor Crumb. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what? I'm trying to think of a woman, a girl that was in this nope. chapter. Oh, Victor. Nope. Yeah. I like Honest. the part where oh, Hermione says, even Victor said, and she doesn't even finish the sentence because her because uh, Ron jumps in. Oh, what did Vicky say? Did Vicky have something to say to you? What did old Vicky have on his mind? So apparently Hermione is still in contact with Victor. She has a pen pal. Yeah. There's nothing wrong, wrong with, with having a pen pal. What's wrong with that? He wants to be more than your pen pal. Mm. Ooh, he, yeah, he, he didn't take that well. Mm. Well, Victor apparently in conversations with Hermione is very uh, complimentary of, of Harry and his skills at the, the age that he is. Yeah, well, I mean, you had to have been blind during the tournament to not think that. Mm -hmm. He was too young to be in it. So that right there, you know, he shouldn't have been able to hang with the older students. Mm -hmm. And he did. And he did well. And he won. He technically won. <laughs> technically. He used the winnings to fund uh, the Weasley's uh, shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, since last chapter, even though Ron still winces every time, Hermione has actually been saying Voldemort's name rather than he who shall not be named or you know who. What do you attribute this change to is she, is she trying to show harry that like that she's brave and how serious she is about wanting to do this training is it like her analytic brain just accepting the fact that voldemort's back and there's really no good reason in pretending otherwise is it what is it like a subconscious thing where you if you act scared you're like feeding the monster almost i guess like a like a stephen king's it pennywise <laughs> sort of thing i have never seen that i don't know what that is but okay well, well basically the more scared you are the stronger he is and so when they kind of the kids kind of stand up to him to the clown then they're able to defeat him like when i know sold the monster guy at Six Flags. For those of you that uh, that don't know, no selling something <laughs> is a professional wrestling term. For... Oh, it's not just common. No, speak? it is not. Common. I thought it was common. It is, it is not common vernacular. Oh. It is a professional wrestling term when somebody uh, punches you. I say punches in air quotes. You are supposed to sell, which is you're supposed to act like it has affected you in a physical way, and when you no sell. Somebody performs a move to you that is supposed to, in the course of the story that the match is telling, hurt you, but you just hop right back up or you just act like it didn't affect you at all. That's called no-selling, and it is frowned upon in the pro wrestling world. And I believe wholeheartedly in it. Just does it all the time. Yeah. Somebody will come up and, like, scare boogie, 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 and she'll, no. No. Don't come at me with that nonsense. There was a gentleman at the Harry Potter night that we did recently in St. Louis at the Science Center who, and it was very early in the night when Jess is helping me set up the table. She's not in a oh, great... I don't like the people that come and want to look over your shoulder while you're unpacking things. Just come back in five minutes. Just give me five minutes. But, or just stand over there. But they're picking things up that she just put down. And I, I can't get to where I want to get to because they're standing and blocking the table. I'm like, guys, I'm trying. I'm I just. Arr. And this guy comes up and he's obviously playing some character that he's created. And I have these magic wands that I've made out of unicorn hair and, you know, what, whatever. Uh, Phoenix tail feathers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he, I guess he thought that they looked like pens like maybe you could click him and like a pen would come out and he comes up with this obviously fake accent do those wands turn into pens by chance and just no and no. goes back to doing what whatever she was doing i answered his question didn't even look at the guy didn't give him the time of the day just shut him down quick 
sir. Well, I, I was supposed now to be impressed. Now is not the time. I have what no patience. What was I supposed to do? I have no patience for this character you are trying to portray, the fun you are trying to have right now. In five minutes, I may be more receptive to that. No. But no. As of right now, no. So that is no selling. What would you have done? I, being the more friendly of the two of us, would probably... No, sir, they don't. No! I'm so terribly sorry, but these I'd are just wands. I'd be by the fact that these wands do not turn into pens. I wish I had some kind of magical potion that I could pour on them. Listen, I didn't roll my eyes. I didn't call him stupid. <laughs> I just, have, I just answered stupid, the question. You may have rolled your eyes a little he, bit. I wasn't facing him, so he wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't even face the gentleman. You I wouldn't even face busy. your attacker. I was putting things out and arranging in a very um, eye-pleasing manner. Mm-hmm. You do, you do a heck of a job at that. My OCD needs it to be properly arranged. And he was messing with it. What were we talking about? No selling? No selling. Hermione, no, uh, no selling? It. Oh, yeah. And, okay, so yeah. Back, like, we're just going to jump right back into it. So I think that, one, for Hermione, it's not as deeply ingrained in her. Like, she grew up as a muggle. She doesn't know. It hasn't been years and years and years and years and years of this, we don't say this name. She just found out about it when she started school. So it's not that big of a change for her. Also, I think saying he who must be not be named or you know who kind of just gives it that like boogeyman mm-hmm. feel, not real. But if you say his name, then it just makes it more real. And we're tr- and she's trying, you know, to lend credibility to all of this mm-hmm. to help convince more people. I mean, it's just, it's a smart tactic. She's, it, if I keep saying this name that people have not really had to worry about, because mm-hmm. once he was gone, it was he who must not be named is gone. You know, we don't say his name, so he doesn't come back. Well, he's back, so let's say his name. Mm-hmm. Kind of deal. And like you said, it kind of, I didn't even think about that, but maybe that kind of ca- will cause the other people around her to not have such a boogeyman feel about Voldemort. Kind of humanizes him a little bit. And if you're human, you can be fought and you can be beaten. If you're a monster, you know, that makes it a little more unbelievable to think that that could happen. And I feel like it's just like a, like a time and setting thing. You know, when he was the Dark Lord and he was Voldemort and he was terrorizing everybody and then he went away and then everybody's like, oh, you know who, who he must not be named. But she's kind of like bringing them back to that time, like the Dark Lord, like we're in that time. We're not in this mid- middle space where he wasn't around. Despite what the ministry will tell you. Yes. So I feel like it's a very smart maneuver for her it's not just like i'm gonna be brave because i don't really think i mean she does she just doesn't know i mean she's heard stories but she doesn't know she didn't live through it well harry agrees to at least hear hermione out and meet with the few students that may actually be interested in training with harry and they're going to do it on one of the hogsmeade weekends at a little tavern called the hogshead so why are we meeting outside of school grounds and give us a little, uh, paint us a little picture of what the hog's head is like. Um, the hog's head is like on the outskirts of town, I kind of picture, mm-hmm. because it wasn't on the main road and they had to go turn here and go down here. It's and off the beaten path a bit. A little bit. Um, the one thing that really stuck with me when I was reading it is the gore of the sign like i don't think that's in the movies like i can kind of picture the sign yeah other than it just being like drab and dirty and faded and old i don't remember the severed head mm-hmm. of a boar that was just a head but this one is severed and there is blood leaking out mm-hmm. on the sign it's very welcoming <laughs> sign <laughs> to a certain clientele it <laughs> is, yes. it's like i want to go in there where that blood is dripping out. Um, yeah. So dirty. Like, 
the piece of the grime on the windows was so thick that the, mm-hmm. the light doesn't come in. It had to be lit by candles. Kind of like my my oven. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Like you turn that light on, but you ain't going to be able to see what's in that oven. <laughs> no, no, you got to open that, baby. Take a peek. Mm-hmm. So in Star Wars, Obi-Wan describes the Mos Eisley Cantina as a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And I don't know if the Hogshead is at that level, but it's definitely an unseemly place. Well, it's not a hive, sure. because there's just not that many people in there. Yeah. Like, the cantina is kind of packed. Good music, too, at the cantina. Yeah, this, this has no music, only a couple of people, but they're definitely sketchy looking. Everybody's, like, got their hoods up. Yeah. Like, nobody really wants to be... Recognized. Yeah. So it's kind of like like a dive bar for, you know, the... Uh, the outs- the outliers uh, of society. <sighs> yeah. But it's a good place for the kids to meet, because kids don't normally go in there, and there'd probably be nobody that's going to overhear... Nobody of consequence that's going to overhear what they're talking about. I yeah, I totally agree with that. Like there won't be other students there, but also it's just like it's very attention getting that mm. there was a large group of students at like it just seems weird. Like yeah, but that who, is of note. Gonna, Somebody's gonna note that. But who's gonna say anything? Like yeah. I would think that most of the people that are in that kind of tavern are not the kind of people that are going to go blabbing to authorities. They don't want no, <laughs> that they were there. Right. They don't they don't they want to stay as far off the radar as possible. So, you know, in a Hermione knows what she's doing. She absolutely she knows is. what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, some interested students start showing up, but it's not just a couple of people, is it? Like Harry originally thought. <laughs> Well, yeah, Harry's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll teach you two. It's okay. And Ryan was like, uh, no. There might be a few. Okay, more. yeah, maybe There's like. a couple more. Yeah, Harry's thinking like four or five total. A nice little uh, group for his private lessons. But that's not who shows up, is it? No, that's like 25 because that's how many butterbeers the twins end up ordering. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So who are some of the standouts here? Um Pretty much all of the named characters. So we've got uh, Neville is there, Fred and George are there, of course. Finley Jordan and twins, mm-hmm. Luna. Mm-hmm. Jenny is there. Jenny. Jenny's boyfriend Jenny's is there. Boyfriend We're going to talk about there. that more at the end of the chapter. Um, uh, Cho. Susan Bones, Cho. Uh-huh. Everybody. Yeah. Literally, and if you know their name from the story, they're there. And Susan Bones is um, the niece of, is it Amelia Bones, who was part of the Wizengamot? Yeah, she's the one who questioned his Patronus, which is how Harry makes the connection. Because mm-hmm. she was quite impressed that you know, Child made a full Corporal uh, corporal pap- Oh my god, pa- Patronus. Corporal Papias. Papias, Paponus. I was. Pinata. All of the people. I mean, those aren't even words, but yeah. Patronus. And so then Susan asked about that specifically. And she uses the word corporal Patronus. Better than I did, yes. Yeah. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I thought it was also <clears throat> interesting to note that every house in Hogwarts was represented here except for Slytherin. Ooh, yeah, good good catch. So we've got Gryffindors, we've got Puffs, we've got Ravenclaws. Ravenclaws. Lots of Ravenclaws. And and some of the... We should also note that there's varying degrees of real interest in training with Harry. You know, some of the students are there because they actually think learning these spells is vitally important because they believe that Voldemort is back and they believe that they're getting lesser levels of quality education from Dolores Umbridge right now. And some students are just there because they're tagging along with their friends. Like, I mm-hmm. think Cho, Cho Chang's friends are not really there because they really believe in this movement, but Cho's going, so we're kind of tagging along. Yeah. And some students are just there because they want to hear Harry's official retelling of what happened to Cedric last year, right? Yeah, which 
I remembered, you know, from the movies and everything that that was coming. And then, it, but at the moment, it just kind of felt weird. I'm like, why? Because Harry, like, literally, Harry points out, you guys already know what happened. Dumbledore told you last year. So there's nothing more to say. Like, I, I was with them. I was like, well, yeah, what do they want him to say? Mm-hmm. What more? They want a blow-by-blow account of, of what happened. And that's just not something that Harry is is going to do. His Somebody, and I'm not going to say like his best friend or anything, but somebody that he had a relationship with, a friendly relationship with, was murdered in front of his eyes. He was tortured. He was tortured. And, and Cedric was murdered as pretty much a byproduct of Voldemort wanting to get to Harry. Like, mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for Voldemort's obsession with Harry, Cedric would probably still be alive yes. right now. And a Harry probably bears some, you know, some feelings of responsibility for that as Not well. Not to mention the fact that if Harry, you know, had just taken the cup himself mm-hmm. and not drug Cedric along. Right. He said, let's grab it at the same time. Yeah. It, and that was really the last thing that Cedric ever did was do something that Harry suggested. And Harry's just not, that's a very traumatic thing for anybody to go through, but but especially a teenager who's already been through a lot of trauma and then he's expected just because somebody's curious about it to recount that and relive that and i understand what what harry's saying you know it's it's very inappropriate to expect that from harry the thing that caught me off guard is when the students are asking harry about his past exploits like, did you really do this? Can you really do this? We kind of talked about the Susan Bones thing a second ago. It's almost like all the things that Harry has done in the last few years at at Hogwarts were just kind of urban legends, like unconfirmed urban legends. And no one really had confirmation of these things until now, right? Yeah, like the Philosopher's philosopher Stone. I can't talk today. Words they, are hard, Yeah, Jessica. they are hard. Um... I don't think that that, you know, Dumbledore didn't really explain what happened. He kind of explained what happened with Cedric in, at the end of the last semester, or last school year. But the other ones before that, he, he doesn't really explain. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still dealing with hiding the Philosopher's Stone and um, getting it destroyed. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to tell a bunch of kids. Also, he's not going to tell a bunch of kids, hey, you guys... Voldemort was here all year, and, yeah. you know, Disney are going to go home and tell their parents that, and it might have helped him at this point if they had thought, oh, he's been around all these years. That makes me think, do, do the parents and do the kids know that Moody was Barty Crouch last year? I don't think so. Because the minister knows that. The, the, the same minister who denies that anything, you know, nefarious is going on at Hogwarts and that anything nefarious is going on in the wizarding world at all as it relates to Voldemort, where we have one of his followers, one of his closest followers, who we thought was locked up in, in Azkaban, has been teaching children all year. And that never came out? I don't... I don't really think that it did I and mean, we don't have any talk or proof that it did that's what i would lead with if i was harry i was like remember that dude that was teaching you all last year <laughs> wasn't moody i mean they might know to some extent that but maybe not all year but that like they found out that barnaby crouch was causing problems at school and that's what helped derail the Triwizard Tournament and stuff like that. But yeah, they don't really tell us specifically what's going, you know, what happened with that. Hermione goes, Ron, Ron's rat was this, this like old guy that was <laughs> the like <whole> time. <laughs> for years. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like, kind of backfired on them by keeping some of this under, mm-hmm. under wraps. Now we've jumped to the worst possible scenario. And nobody really knows all these building things that happened. 
we talked about how there's like varying degrees of interest and varying degrees there's even varying degrees of like um speculation about the legitimacy of you know what harry has done and whatnot and i think it was it, i know it was a hufflepuff kid was it zach zacharias smith is he that said some things was, was that his name uh, yeah zacharias Zach- I love. I know how much you love Fred and George, especially in the books. Yes. And I thought it was really cool when Fred and George kind of shut down. I think it was Zacharias, the Hufflepuff kid, and kind of put him in his place when he was being dismissive of all these positive things that people were sharing about Harry. And Fred and George kind of jump on him and uh, put him in his place, for lack of a better term. Well, Ron kind of does it first, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't really picture Ron as like buff like enforcer best friend but you know in a lot of books and stories there's mm-hmm. that one there's the the one that's kind of the strong guy that protects the the, the friend group mm-hmm. and at that moment i really kind of felt like that was him he's kind of becoming more of a jock this year and he just the fact that he was like no shut up you don't get to say those things to my friend mm-hmm. and then yeah then right afterwards i don't remember which one it was fred and george kind of jumped on him too and was like yeah you, you need to stop or go you know mm-hmm. um and neville steps up too he doesn't say anything to the guy but i think neville's the first one who brings up a positive thing mm-hmm. so, love neville too uh so the outcome of this meeting is that the group will meet once a week at a to-be-determined location at times that don't clash with the Quidditch practices, Jessica. <gasps> so many Quidditch practices. But Hermione wants to take things a step further and put something into writing with everyone signing a piece of parchment or paper to show their commitment to this cause. Why do you think Hermione feels that she needs to take this additional s- step here? Oh, Daniel, I know why. You, you already know the answer. Oh, yeah. Okay, and you can't. It's a tell big me. thing. Okay, but yeah, it's a spoiler. Okay, uh, Ron, she's got plans. Ron, she is a clever little witch. Uh, Ron gets a bit defensive at the end of the chapter. Something we talked about a couple minutes ago when he finds out his baby sister Jenny is and has been dating one of the students that's at the meeting. Yeah, since last year. Michael. No big. Michael Corner. Not familiar with this gentleman. Not either. Um, I mean, I, I remember it from the movies and stuff, but... So this reaction from Ron kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Because like you said, he has not been the the, the guy that we've thought about to be like the, the protective one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been Fred and George uh, in this book. You know, they're or in these books, I should say, because... Fred and George are very silly. They're, you know, like I said, they're always up to shenanigans, but... When it comes to protecting family, and they include Harry in that family, they're fiercely loyal. But Ron never really had, like, the, I guess the confidence or, like, the that aura about him. Well, to... I feel like he never needed to be. He was mm-hmm. He's one of the babies. Yeah. But, you know, now you've got Percy's gone and done his thing mm-hmm. and isn't around, and... Not that Percy was the brotherly, big brother, supportive, protective type either, but I don't know. I just feel like he probably just didn't feel like he needed to be. And I think he felt, like, he even says, I thought Jenny fancied Harry. Like, he didn't have to worry about her Mm -hmm. dating boys. Yeah. Because she was hopelessly in love with Harry, and that wasn't going anywhere, and therefore... It just wasn't even on his radar. So I think this kind of just caught him really off guard. Uh, By the way, an update on Kelly stranded in uh, Chicago. Uh, Somebody has arrived. Oh, Catherine. To rescue. I was wondering if that was was what she meant. I'm like, surely she's not like getting a ride with a stranger. (laughs) Catherine's right there. Why wouldn't Catherine go get her? I told her. I told you the uh, first thing that popped into my mind was... uh, Home Alone, Home Alone when the to... mom's trying to get back and she <laughs> she gets the ride with uh, John Candy's uh, group of like misfits. Uh, yeah, what was uh, they were like a polka band? Polka I think band. they were. Yeah, and they had the jackets and everything. Uh, and they they get uh, and the thing about 
the thing that always I thought was weird about that is the mom, Catherine, played by Catherine O'Hara. She gets home after taking this like arduous journey in this van. She gets home at the same time as everybody else does. Like, uh, and that that just take the the plane home. Yeah, so she just she, waited. <laughs> she could have just taken the plane home, and she would have gotten home maybe ten minutes later than she did. But then we wouldn't have had the scene with the polka band in the in the van. Yeah, she had her own little adventure. So, uh, Catherine to the rescue. Uh, let it never be said that Catherine uh, is not a hero, a heroine. A heroine, yeah, she's out there in this mess. Driving around the craziness of Chicago. Yeah. I mean, of all the places that you would choose to drive during a snowstorm. Good looking out. Chicago's not one of them. No. Chicago, it's the worst to drive in. I can't even imagine what it's like to drive in snow. I found out last time we went that I hate driving in Chicago, but I'm actually kind of good at it. But I don't like it. And I, yeah, you have to drive very aggressively. Yeah. And to... that's, that's not really my forte. It's like, it's my turn, I'm going, everybody must stop, yeah. or else. Uh, and that's the end of chapter 16 in the Hogshead. Oh, we do have an email. An email! And I haven't wised you up to this one. So nope, be, I have no idea. I like to get a genuine reaction from you. You like to put me on the spot, put yeah, the pressure on. This email uh, comes to us courtesy of broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com from Deb the Fashionista. Ooh. Hi, Deb. Uh, Deb says, Hi, fellow Potter fans. I saw a discussion on Reddit and was wondering what your thoughts were on the subject. Someone asked, Could a phenomenon like the Harry Potter series exist again? The series is one of the best-selling of all time, and the seventh book sold 15 million copies in 24 hours. It seems that Harry Potter is a once-in-a-generational series and may never be replicated, but do you think it's possible that another series may appear appealing to both ends of the age demographic and become a global phenomenon. Well, yeah, I mean, forever is a very long time. At some point, somebody's going well, to do this, it again. It, this generation. So, I mean, in our lifetimes. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. No. Because the, the things that, that pop into mind, I think about, you think about crossover between books and then really when when it kind of crosses over into the zeitgeist of of the general public is when movies or, or television shows are made. Because that's just an, a, a more easily um, taken in form of media is something that you can see and you don't have to, you know, you don't you don't got to do none of that reading. Reading. Those books are big, babe. And we're going to read them. But I think of like um, some of the big ones that have been like in the last decade or so, like the Hunger Games, had a lot of a lot of books sold, yeah, insanely successful movies. But they but, died quick. But there's no lasting power with that. Yeah. You you don't Done, have it was over. you don't have people. You might have you. There's some people that you will see at like a Comic-Con dressed up as Katniss or something like that. Every once in a while you see it. But there are dozens and hundreds of Harry Potter cosplay at every convention. Um, we hosted a, a trivia event at, that was specifically Harry Potter trivia. And we had like four or five hundred people there at, C, at C2E2 uh, in 2022. Would you imagine that a Hunger Games trivia event at C2E2 would be... It probably wouldn't even be something that C2E2 would agree to put on their schedule. Yeah, because it's, it's not, not something... Draw. Unless there was like a movie coming out that year or something like that. Which they are going to do the ballad right. one. But like... Eventually. I, I would think like maybe after the first movie was so popular and like the second movie was coming out and everybody was really excited about it, I think that would have been a time when they, you could have seen like an event like that um, or you know, they do some kind of like archery ex exhibition at, at a convention or something like that. But there hasn't been a new Harry Potter movie and not counting The Cursed Child, there hasn't been a new J.K. Rowling movie book in many many years 
but it's still just as popular and still just as relevant as when, like the emailer said, when those uh, 15 million books were sold in a 24 hour period and people were, were camping out for midnight releases. Could you, I can't imagine any other book coming out right now where people would be that interested in it. There's also the people will also say, well, you know, they would just download it digitally. They wouldn't have to go to the store for that. Uh, the hardcore fans would want the hardback first edition. But then so I there think would about still like, be people doing it. But. but then I think also think about like Twilight, mm-hmm. insanely popular books with very rabid a very rabid fan base. Uh, crossover into pop culture, people know what they're talking about when they talk about sparkly vampires. You know, it it Robert Pattinson's Batman now because of. You know, the the star, the making turn that he had in those movies. But do you see people cosplaying as people from Twilight? No, and do you I mean, s- part of that is they're, you know, they just wear regular clothes. So it would be really hard to do pull off unless you're being a very specific character. Yeah, but do you, but- I mean, do you see like Twilight events at Comic Cons and things like that? You, you no. just... But you you just don't. You, it's not the same. You don't see like Twilight, all in, all encompassing video games coming out and and apps and and same thing with Hunger Games. The the Harry Potter thing is maybe a once in a generation thing. Well, her, uh, Twilight and Hunger Games has a smaller audience mm-hmm. just in general because of the content. You're cutting out kids completely. Mm-hmm. Whereas Harry Potter. You can start them young on Harry Potter, yeah, and and it's fine. I mean, you, and as you might they grow, the get a little the further where too, it gets yeah. a little scary for some little little kids, but you don't have to go that far, like you said, until they get a little older. Um, so that's part of it. It's just a bigger audience enjoys Harry Potter. I think the other part of it is you, as a reader or a fan, you want to go to Hogwarts, like you mm-hmm. would want to go there. Yeah. You would want to be in these books. Yeah. I don't want to be in the Hunger Games. I don't want to be in the Hunger Games. <laughs> I don't want to be in Twilight. I don't I mean I never read full disclosure, never read Twilight. But I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of it too. If it's a a world, a fantasy world that you would like to go to, I mean, yeah, Voldemort being around kind of it makes it no fun in some parts, but it's only sometimes. Only mm-hmm. at the end of the school year. There's still something very whimsical about it, mm-hmm. especially like when you go to like Universal Studios and you see the castle and you smell the butter beer brewing, and you know it's just you would you wouldn't think that that would be like it would be kind of cool to see like a like a District Twelve, you know, you know, set up like a like a live experience to go through, but that'd be more like like a pop up experience, you know, like mm-hmm. the I did that in in New York, yeah. We went to the Hunger Games um, display mm-hmm. experience, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And it was mostly about the costumes of right. the film. But um, they set up, like, scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Were, and the costumes were just on mannequins, kind of acting out the scene. But it was neat. But it's not... So, but it's that's, not that's like a, Universal like a, Studios. And it's not something that would be constantly open that people would visit, mm-hmm. like, year-round. It's something that they they make a an event that you would want to go to because it's a smaller audience, right? They can't. There wouldn't be a demand for it year round all the time. So that's something that's that's really, and that's something that Deb mentioned in her in the email was that appealing to both ends of the age dem- demographic. Mm-hmm. That's something that's really really hard to do, and that's something that like the Marvel movies have done really well really well is that kids want to go see them but like adults also want to go see them and and but but that's that's like a that's not like a a series of books that's not like a series of seven books that is just like infinite content yeah since the 1940s when captain america came out you know we're talking about you know coming up in the next couple decades we're going to be a hundred years worth of thousands and thousands and thousands of characters that's more of a universe rather than like a book series 
but that's something that that they've done a really good job of appealing to both ends of the the age spectrum that like the dc movies have not done a really good job at you know, it's not really something that kids want to go see. It's not really something adults want to go see either, because most of the movies darker kind of stink. It's not fun. But I, I, that's probably the hardest for me. That's probably the hardest part of reaching the Harry Potter levels is that appealing to both ends of, of the age spectrum, and like you said, making it not such a, a niche audience. You know, there you... are several very, very popular like YA authors mm-hmm. right now that have huge followings that are from teen all the way through adults. But again, you're just you're cutting off that kid range, and so you can't because of the content can't start them early on it. I mean, they have huge followings, and it's very you know very hardcore fans, but it's not the same doesn't have that mass appeal because of the content. And they've tried. They've tried with, like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They've tried with the Percy Jackson. And there's actually a, a, a Percy Jackson, I think, Netflix TV series That's co- uh, coming come out, on. which may be a good... That, that may be a, a better form of presentation than what they tried with the movies. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are kids books I mean, they're not children i wouldn't say they're children's books but they're you know four, fourth fifth grade yeah. books but i just don't know if that reaches the adults as much then i think i just i think that those movies haven't been as successful because you're taking you're taking content that is geared mainly toward, uh, like you said, middle grade, age level, but there's not really like much of a connection to to the older fans. And we talk about there's... Harry Potter all the time when we we bring up these topics of things that are in the book and how they're relevant to things in our world right now. That's really hard to do. And I think that's part of the reason why Harry Potter is going to have, you know, 50 years from now, people are still going to be reading it and people are still going to be enjoying it because assuming the world is still here in 50 years and we haven't blown ourselves off <laughs> off the planet or, you know, California, Jennifer hasn't fallen into the, the ocean. ocean because of global warming. There, there's the, the tropes in there are still going to be relevant. And I think that's part of its staying power. Yeah, I... I mean, I don't really think she set out. I mean, she, when she started, I think she's just like, I'm going to write this fun story about this boy who finds out he's a wizard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she really set out to be like, I'm going to write a book that everyone can enjoy, no matter the age, like, you know. But she really didn't end up hitting all those points. Mm-hmm. It was you kind know, of just the perfect Boys storm. and girls both yeah. like the book. Yep. Old and young both like the book. It's a world that you would love to go join and be a part of, a world you would like to go visit. She just, like, checked all the boxes to make it, um, you know, appeal to everybody. Mm-hmm. And some things, they just can't check all those boxes. And, like I said, I, there, that, I think that's just part of the genius in... In, the, in these books that J.K. Rowling has made for all the, the flack that she's gotten the last few years because of, you know, personal feelings or because of, you know, tweets that whether she meant to say what she said or whether it was misconstrued one way or another, you can't discount the universe that she's created and the connection that it has to all ages and to no matter if you read it when it first came out, I think the first book was 97... You know, whether you read it back then or whether you're starting to read it now like I am, it's relevant and it, it it's timeless. And we've talked in the past about like Mark Twain books. They're not they're not timeless. You know, <laughs> there's I wouldn't give those to a, a kid. You know, my dad read them when he was a kid and loved them, but I wouldn't give those to a kid. Now they would hate it. You know, it's just not. They wouldn't be able to relate. No. Wouldn't make much sense to them. No. 
going on an adventure on a on a raft in the river does not excite any children these days. Yeah. That's not something they should be like, are you crazy? What about about whitewashing a fence? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not interested in that either. Kids can't relate to that, (laughs) what what you're saying? No. Well, uh, we appreciate the email. It's a great discussion. You can always send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or tweet us at broomsticksb, uh, or send us a message on Facebook. We're on Facebook as well. And uh, we appreciate everybody downloading, listening, and subscribing and spreading the word. Anything else you want to say about Chapter 16 or just life in general? Nope. Just hoping Kelly gets to where she needs to get Thanks, safely. Catherine. <laughs> appreciate you. And literally behind you is just the TV is just flashing scene after scene of horrible highways and people sliding off everywhere. My brother is my brother Jake is currently driving down I fifty five from Chicago as well, and they're they're showing the the radar map and where, where the, the <laughs> they're circling the worst the parts shape, of the storm. the shape of the storm has formed like around a, the highway like a hot dog bun around <laughs> I fifty five. So uh, that's where we're at right now. So hopefully everybody gets home safe. Uh, hope everybody has a merry, merry Christmas. Uh, we're currently in the middle of uh, Hanukkah as well. Yes. Uh, Hanukkah, the last day of Hanukkah is actually uh, December 26th, which is the day after Christmas Day. Uh, so uh, happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. <laughs> I was trying to combine my Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Uh, Kwanzaa starts on the 26th and goes to January 1st. So, happy solstice, happy... That was yesterday. Uh, Merry... The days are going to be getting light, like, we get more light. Oh, thank every goodness. Every day now. Like, I think somebody at work said it was, like, 20 seconds every day. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we'll have 20 seconds more of daytime than yesterday. I like it. I like it. So, happy solstice, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy New Year. Uh, we probably won't have another episode until after the New Year. And uh, I think that... This being our second episode that we have recorded in December of 2022, we have fulfilled our New Year's resolution that we made last year of recording at least two episodes a month. So, uh, thank you. Good job. Uh, Thank you. I don't like to pat myself on the back, but... Good job, babe. Until next time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or get. Bye. Bye. I got some magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Everybody knows.